Hi, this is Nick from uh, PRI UK. This is the third uh, podcast uh, that we've uh, recorded or are recording. And this one, it's uh, paranormal and uh, detection. And again, as usual, we are including the caveat that these are our personal views. You know, we respect other people's opinions. Um, paranormal investigation um it's it's not a, an absolute science we observe we record um we, we see and, and the and, you know the rest of it but anyway so andy's here again and uh this time we'll we'll talk about uh paranormal and detection so andy again once again take it away tell us about paranormal and detection what's that nick paranormal and detection that's right. Yeah, I'm just de- demonstrating that. My, <laughs> Your powers of uh, yeah. observation. So basically, that was an example of how our ears oh, right. okay. interpret its air pressure yes. into electrical signals Yeah, that's processed by my brain. If you've got one, yes. Yep. <laughs> into a, a form that I can understand. Yes, so okay. ultimately, that is detection. Right. So what's interesting about the paranormal and detection is... is um, I think you know when you when you read about this and you watch the documentaries, you you hear people's stories. Mm-hmm. There seems to be you know some themes come out here, and one of them is animals. You know, animals apparently are more sensitive to detecting uh, so-called entities uh, or spirits. Okay, so, so how how would you say that? Because you can't talk to an animal. An animal can't nah. talk well, to you. Well, you can talk to them, but I mean, <laughs> Doctor Doolittle did. <laughs> But, well, the one theory is is that animals' eyes, perhaps certain animals like cats or dogs, can see further into the ultraviolet or the infrared spectrum than we can. So they may be able to detect um, a mass that's not quite in our spectrum of range for our sight. Okay. I mean, that, that's an interesting thought. But um, So, I mean, I, again... Generally, people do have this thing about, particularly dogs, you know, our dog, you know, we were sitting there and suddenly, you know, the air temperature dropped and the dog was sitting up and yeah. heckles were raised. And uh, they're so you, you think there's some credibility to those sort of stories? Well, another thing is, is um, do animals see in a higher rate of frames per second than humans do? You know, maybe they can. I mean, say for instance, we only. I mean, I don't know what the, how many frames per second we see, but I know movies normally thirty frames per second. I think I could be wrong. Um, but do animals just actually have more information coming into their brain? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, I must admit that the, the concept of uh, frames per second, I, I'd never related that to our senses. I just thought it was a constant stream. But yeah. But again. Um, yeah, I, I I can perhaps see that point of view. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't really see with our eyes; we see with our brains. It's only interpreting the signal that comes through the eyes, and it's yeah. the same as hearing as well, isn't it? So, I mean, again, detection. Um, I mean, we're looking at it from a positive point of view, but of course, that that could have a negative impact as well. Well, um, that's a leading question. Yeah. Well. Give an example of a negative impact. All right, a negative impact is I think I can hear a sound and I think it's saying my name. Okay. And yeah. it's because I'm interpreting that. And again, you think of things like EVPs, you know, the yeah. electronic voice phenomena where, and you see it on these TV programs, you say, oh, did you hear that? You know, yeah. This recording. It, it's saying, and you go, 
and and they say it's it said so and so, and somebody looks at him puzzled and then says, oh yes, it, yeah. It, yeah. And of course, the, the suggestions there. So of course, they they follow with yeah. the. Su- I mean, there's the that phenomenon of uh, paragolia, isn't it? Where yes, that's so basically, it. That's you're, the you're, word. again, we experience the world through our brains. So, so we look for patterns. Our brains hardwired for patterns, and it's how we survive as a species. It's how okay. we're still here, actually. Yeah. So when you hear a sound, your brain is trying to do the quickest way of figuring out what it is. Uh, it'll take shortcuts, and it'll just. Think, oh yeah, that sounds like this. That sounds like that, and, and it'll and then it will tell you what what it, you think it's what, what it thinks it's hearing, basically. So I mean, again, the, there is very much a sort of a primitive element to that in the sense that we, our brains, I say we, our brains, um, try and make order out of disorder, yeah. uh, and so therefore it will create a, a pattern that we can recognise, whether that's in the form of uh, sight or, or sound. But uh, well, you think about it. I mean, we we really don't understand what reality is. All we do, I don't know what reality is for sure. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> all we do is basically have this system called the brain, nervous system. We have the eyes, the ears, the smell, the touch. Yeah. And all we're doing is that's this electrical signals going to the brain. Um, I mean, the color. I mean, when I tell you that you know that curtain is green. You, you see a different green to what I see, you know. Um, well, you, you might be, yeah. Uh, by right, the way, I'm colorblind, that. so it's probably, <laughs> probably is bloody red. It's not a good it? example, yeah, is yeah. it, really? But yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, well, the other thing is children tend to be more sensitive uh, for paranormal activity. That's yeah. a theme that seems to be. It seems to be a theme, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, again, uh, there are probably psychological factors. Um, I, I'm not a psychologist, and everybody says, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, and they'd probably be dead right. But but I always think in terms of children, not necessarily having life's experiences. Um, so therefore, everything to them is new. So as far as I'm concerned, they will, and we're we're hardwired for danger, you know, as, as an animal. Um, and I sometimes wonder whether this this idea, you know, that uh, children are perhaps a little bit more sensitive. They're they're probably not as worldly wise. Um, and, and therefore will be more fearful, perhaps, um, of, of certain things. And, and equally, this idea of the, the friend, you know, the, uh, the imaginary friend. I mean, it's not an uncommon thing, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily um, anything to do with the paranormal, although a lot of people say that it is. Yeah, it's and half and half, maybe. And I the counter-argument that people will argue is, as adults, your belief system is formed... You know, your brain will block out information you just don't want to hear or see. It's a bit like, you know, you get, you get set in your views as you get older. It's um, certainly like Britain's yeah. Got Talent. That's something I filter out, you know, yeah, you know yeah. it's, it's something that uh, I, I don't want to hear or believe. But Well, the other thing that uh, is interesting is this thing about, you know, I mentioned an earlier podcast about seeing a shadow person out of the corner of my eyes. Yeah. Um, again, that's detecting movement in your peripheral vision and and when people say say they see shadow people out of the corner of their eyes you know there's two arguments to that well there's probably more arguments uh, uh, i'm just going to mention a couple here some will say that um, the reason why we see shadow people out of the corner of our eyes is because you know we as our eyeball, eyeball forms um it, it eventually becomes denser and it can block out information light information coming into the brain 
but at the edges of your eye, the, the lens is thinner and, and more information can come into your brain via the outside of your eye. So some people will say that's how you can detect spirit or detect shadow people is because it just happens to be the part of your information retrieving system that's mm. not so dense. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I'm, you know, again, I'm not a doctor, and I'm, I'm, I wouldn't really like to comment, but, but, I, but I've always felt that uh, the reason we have this sort of, um, I saw it out of the corner of my eye, is is very much part of our defence system, um, that that we catch things in our peripheral vision um, that we're not quite sure of, and and it tr- triggers a fear factor. Yeah. Um, again, it's just a, just a thought. But, well, uh, so what's interesting is is actually for for motion detection, our peripheral vision is best. You know, so when scientists do these experiments about trying to capture motion, they've they've, they've found that the actual peripheral vision is is, all, is almost designed to detect motion. Right. So as a species, it's obviously. You know, you, you want to see what's coming your blind side, yeah. otherwise you might die. Yeah. Okay, well, next time I'm driving the car, I'll look out of the side window rather than through the windscreen, and uh, perhaps I'll, I'll <laughs> it'll be a safe way. Well, the next driving. time I get in the car with you, Nick, I'm not going over the M25 <laughs> for a shortcut. So, so can, I don't care what eye you look out of, yeah? I'm not going around it. So, uh, the other thing is, um, when it comes to detection, some people argue that, you know, we use equipment that can see into the infrared spectrum. Yeah ultraviolet spectrum, thermal heat spectrum. So these are apparent methods of detecting spirit or ghosts. What's your views on that? Well, again, you know, it's it's uh, it's an interesting fact that uh, you, you're talking to people, they're saying that a lot of these EMF meters, you know, these electromagnetic force uh, meters, are designed purely for the domestic power supply. So therefore that they're completely useless in detecting a whole range of electromagnetic forces. And, and again, I'd go along with that. But having said that, I mean, you know, from a static point of view, they do seem to trigger, but I can't see that that has got anything to do with, ne- or necessarily to do with the, the um, uh, proximity of, of, of what people call a ghost. Um I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, it, it, apparently there's a natural normal range of EMF, which is 0.1 to 1.0 milligars. Uh, you know, I'm not a scientist, so don't even ask me what that means. But there's there's a natural range in the background already. Um, and when that starts to flicker, especially these uh, K2 meters, are the flashing lights, mm. you know, they're so sensitive to, they're not, they're not collaborated, they're, you know, a, a, a mobile phone signal will set it off. You know? Yeah. Um, um, I would say the only use an EMF meter would be uh, with a trifill meter for different currents of electric fields is that uh, you can measure just how much EMF is triggered is coming off equipment in the room. I think that's the important thing, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, because yes. there's a link between high EMF fields yes. and its impact on the human brain. Yes, and, and I, I must yeah. admit I've, I've experienced that. Um, I've been in a basement of a building where the power supply came in. It's a fairly large building, and having walked past the the the, the meters, the meter board, that makes it sound as though it's one of those things that's whirring round and round, but obviously where the, the switches were for the incoming power and uh, redirected the various parts of the building. 
and uh, the thing nearly knocked me over. Um, and I can't say for one minute that that was a spirit or ghost activity. Um, I think it had more to do with the fact that there was a, a high uh, electromagnetic field around that particular input of power to the building. But uh, again, a rational explanation. Um, who knows? Perhaps there was a, a ghost there trying to to knock me over. But uh, well, you know what's interesting is is um, some people who report poltergeist activity or hauntings, if they get advice about unplugging all the electrical equipment in their house on a night, yes. They report that it dies down. You know. Yes. Um, so, you know, one could argue it's the electromagnetic field causing the the brain to, you know, experience these things, or one could argue if it is an entity, they just don't have the power supply to to basically do anything. Yeah. Um, who knows? You know. But yeah. uh, there seems to be a, a small correlation between that. Um, the other thing about meters and measuring detection is temperature. You know, there's, mm. there's this thing about cold spots. Yeah. You know, the, what's that about? You know, like temperature become colder. You know, it's well. I think the trouble is you see people and they're carrying these uh, these trigger held devices. They cost I don't know a few quid, tens of or to say tens of pounds, or not even tens of pounds. That uh, they they're measuring surface temperature, uh, uh, and yet they seem to think that they could be used for measuring air temperature. Um, complete fallacy. They look quite good. I mean, they look like guns, so I suppose the point is it, <laughs> it does actually. But I don't know what they're shooting, but uh, they're shooting themselves in the foot if they think they can rely on that to measure air temperature. Well, I think that's where the bullshit detector comes in, isn't yeah. it, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another form of detection is bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, and I think if you have a group of people walking around with these laser temperature guns thinking they're ghost-busting, you know, the, I, I would... In fact, they're probably more dangerous than whatever's inside your house already, to be honest. Well, I think so, the laser probably is. But, uh, yeah. the, uh, the, the, I mean, the, the other thing is barometers. You yes. Know, there's, a, there's a link between air pressure dropping or increasing when a paranormal activity happens. I mean, what's that about? I don't know. Again, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one that people sort of link, doesn't it? Um, I, I, I think that uh, air pressure is... is, is, is probably more measurable in some ways than, than air temperature but but it's the reaction of the equipment and uh, whether it's actually happening at the time was happened um, some time before um, in, the, in the sense that you're not measuring it as it's actually happening um, you'd have to have some like, pretty sensitive equipment to do that um, so when people are saying oh you know the air temperature's dropped or the air pressure's dropped um, it, it hasn't happened at that particular moment in time yeah. Um, so I think that can be uh, sort of uh, thrown out the window as, as a reliable source of information. Um, I'm sure there's equipment that you could buy, extremely expensive equipment you could buy, um, but I don't suppose that's within the range of most people that are doing some ghost hunting. I, I think the other problem is is that when, you, when you're dealing with spontaneous phenomenon, you know, you would have to have equipment set up in exactly the right place. <laughs> yes. It's going to happen in. Yes, yes. And it's just not yeah. going to happen like that. No, you know, no. It's, uh, but then I suppose the other the other thing is the the um, EVP um, electronic voice phenomena uh, recording it on a digital recorder. The situation, as far as I was always concerned, was you know how does that happen? It's got to be interference. Um, it, it's got to be something to do with the recorder itself. And I've used equipment just to basically record what's actually happening, and picked up 
you know, anomalous voices, um, disembodied voices, uh, very audible words. It isn't, isn't white noise. It's, this is actual words you can hear quite clearly. So I guess the question is, how does that happen? I'm sure, again, that there's probably a rational explanation. Um, but uh, it does make you think. And I think the trouble is that's it. Once you start thinking too hard about it, it's... Uh, you, you can create all sorts of scenarios and stories to explain why it's happening. And of course, most people say that's because the spirit is talking to you. Well, spooky. The problem is, is um, you know, every time you find something of interest, it opens another three questions up. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's something that is frustrating because uh, it's it's frustrating because contamination. Uh, you know the equipment that you use you you're always even people who weren't there will doubt that you were there with that person you said yeah you were. that's true you yeah know, it's yeah. um you know it's, it's a bit like people who see bigfoot you know what i mean they're, they're absolutely convinced they exist but yes you know but because they're the only ones who saw it at the time yeah. <laughs> you know nobody really yeah. believes it um so it, I, I, I suppose yeah. actually sort of trying to sort of sum it up you know, detection, there's the, I suppose, the evidence from our own senses. Um, and, of course, that isn't hardwired to anything. So it's down to perception and, and what people are actually feeling. I, again, my personal feelings. But then there is obviously the equipment side. And, and I think really what we're saying is that there's nothing reliable enough, um, certainly within the, the reach of the average ghost hunter or you know, the, the person that's doing this that can be considered reliable. Yeah, I mean, I would say to anyone out there who does ghost investigations, is like you collaborate, recalibrate your equipment every time you go out, uh, before you go out. You um, make sure your recorders are lying still on the ground or you not hold them in your hand so you're moving around. Um, you try and try triangulate your sounds. You know, put your put your recording equipment so it can pick up all sides of the room. Uh, and one last thing I'd like to mention about detectors is uh, motion detectors of interest mm. because if a laser beam can be broken, then it means whatever broke that laser beam must have some form of mass for the for it to go off. So, is that proof that an entity has mass? Well, who knows? Uh, yeah. An interesting question. And if anyone's still detecting this podcast, <laughs> hasn't switched off or got to sleep, uh, do join yes. us for another podcast. Uh, yeah. Because we will be talking some more. Yes, uh, rambling some more. So thanks again for listening. And good night. Good night.